Hello, Sharks fans, and welcome back to All Sharks No Bite. I'm your host, Nick Berger. And unfortunately, since last we spoke, the winless streak continues to start the season. San Jose, since the last episode, has lost to Carolina 6-3, Boston 3-1, and Nashville 5-1. The only saving grace really is that I felt like they actually played pretty well against both Boston and Nashville. And there were really just a few moments where the game got away from them and they weren't ever able to really recover. And some trends have started to emerge this season. And the big one that I want to start the conversation with is the penalty kill. And what we're going to do is take a look at the formation that the Sharks take on the penalty kill and why it's causing problems. So the big thing that I've noticed is the Sharks set up their penalty kill in a diamond. So they have one forward up at the top guarding that pass between the points. And then they've got a defenseman and a forward in the middle. And then they've got their other defensemen uh, protecting the front of the net. And where this has really started to create issues for San Jose is down around the goal line when the puck is either behind the net or in the corner. The Sharks are basically by default outnumbered down low, which is already a problem because you're already outnumbered when you're on the penalty kill. But as soon as the puck goes down low, there's infinite space for the puck carrier on the power play to either make a pass to the front or to take the puck aggressively with a power move to the front of the net. And we've seen this rear its head in a lot of ugly ways. First of all, it bears out in the numbers. The Sharks penalty kill is among the worst in the league by every metric. And what I'm seeing is once the puck goes down low around the goal line or around or behind the net, there's really no resistance to stop the puck carrier from getting to the net or from setting up a play in front. By setting up in this formation, this is really causing a lot of undue stress on both the penalty kill as a unit and on the goaltending. The first thing is that when the power play takes the puck aggressively to the net from the goal line, it's forcing both Blackwood and Kakinen to make some really tough saves in tight and controlled rebounds. If they're not able to swallow the puck or prevent a rebound, the Sharks are already outnumbered down low and It really puts them behind the eight ball and forces them to scramble back quickly and try to clear the puck. And then the other thing that happens is there's a really common play on the power play these days, really across the entire league, where the power play unit will get the puck out high at the point, and then they'll work it down low to someone usually standing on the goal line right next to the net or in the corner, and then they'll make a one-touch pass to someone out in the slot. And when you're already in a diamond formation and you only have one man down low, you're basically looking at a three-on-one instead of a five-on-four. And it just makes that one-time play down low way more accessible for the power play unit. The other area of concern that I have is forwards aren't very aggressive or quick to pressure the point. They really tend to sit back more. And the most successful penalty kills that I've watched tend to have forwards who are really aggressive and don't give the point any time to make a play. And so it's a problem on two fronts for San Jose. Either you have to be very aggressive up top and be really disruptive up there, or you have to clog things down low in the zone and around the net. If you don't do either of those things, then you're going to get the kind of results that San Jose has gotten. So as the season goes on, it'll be interesting to see if San Jose makes any adjustments to the structure of their penalty kill. Um, I'm really hoping that they do, but it is also extremely difficult to make Um, a total philosophical change mid-season, but we'll see what they decide to do. I would really love to see them make it more difficult for teams to get to the net and to get the puck to the net down low. And that's that's actually one other problem that I just thought of. 
I hate to be negative Nancy over here about everything because there have actually been some good things in the Sharks game despite the the bad record and the the overall bad performances. But something that we saw a lot the last couple of games is players sneaking in undetected when the Sharks are on the penalty kill. There were a number of times when the puck went down low and then all four penalty killers really got puck focused and they weren't able to pick up the biggest threat on the ice, which was a trailer or someone sneaking in late behind them, really right down the middle. And it led to some really, really glorious scoring chances for the other teams. So right now the Sharks are struggling with their penalty kill structure and a seeming lack of awareness for the threats on the ice, or it it may even be a lack of communication as well um, between the four players out there. So I'll be keeping my eye on that um, here really the rest of the season to see if the Sharks make it more difficult to get the puck to the net on the penalty kill. Um, see if they change up their formation and just try to do anything different because right now it's clearly not working. We do know that David Quinn was willing to try one thing different, um, which was benching Mark Edward Vlasic, the uh, longest tenured San Jose Shark, obviously for a long time, one of the very best shutdown defensemen in all of the NHL. And Vlasic played, I believe, just over six minutes in the game against Nashville. Um It's obviously been a tough start for him this season, and really the last few seasons he has not looked like himself. And I think that his early season struggles, um, really the exclamation point on it was that first power play goal that Nashville had um, scored by Fugimo, where Vlasic was essentially in no man's land. He came out kind of to front the shot, but didn't really commit to blocking it and didn't really commit to getting out of the way so that Mackenzie Blackwood could see it. I've gotten my own gripes about shot blocking. Side note, I think that shot blocking is stupid. The only time that I think that it's really a useful tactic is if there's a wide open net and it's obviously going to go in if one of the forwards or one of the defensemen doesn't line up to block the shot. But aside from that, the goalies are the ones wearing the padding. Just get out of the way and let them stop the puck. Let them see it. Um, Mark Edward Vlasic in this situation, came out and fronted the shot, but he wasn't able to get in the shooting lane, and really all he did was screen Mackenzie Blackwood, who clearly never saw the puck go by him. For me, the goalies are wearing all the pads. They have all the technique. Let them to stop the puck. You're paying all these other players millions and millions of dollars to go out there and do everything else, like score goals. I really don't want any of my guys, but especially the guys that are making a lot of money to line up and block shots for the goaltender. I think that you're much better suited letting them play their position and let the goalie focus on the shot. But I digress. That moment really kind of was Mark Edward Vlasic's season and his last few seasons in a nutshell. It brings me no joy to say that his contract is probably the worst in the league. He's got a no-movement clause. He has a few years left on this deal that eats up a ton of cap space. I've heard people argue about whether or not Doug Wilson should have given Mark Edward Vlasic this contract. He signed it when he was 30 years old, and even though I'm very wary of signing 30-year-old players to long, high-value contracts— I do understand why Doug Wilson gave Vlasic that contract, and I really don't fault him for it or blame him for it at all. Um, He basically did Vlasic a solid because he had put in so many great, great years with the team. He was a huge part of that core that went to the Stanley Cup final and to multiple third rounds uh, for San Jose and helped make them a perennial uh, Stanley Cup contender, if not a Stanley Cup favorite. 
And I think part of the thinking was Wilson had to know, like all the rest of us, that that contract was going to end up looking bad at some point. Vlasic was 30 years old when he signed the deal. He's always been a big minutes eater for San Jose, so he's played a ton of minutes, a ton of hockey, basically never says no to Team Canada in the offseason or for the Olympics when he's called upon. Multiple deep playoff runs um, and a lot of minutes played against the top players for the other team. So he's played a lot of hockey and a lot of really taxing minutes for a defenseman. So I think the writing was on the wall that the contract at some point was going to look bad and it wasn't going to end well. But as a 30-year-old, still in his prime, still on a good team, I think Doug Wilson rightfully said, we're going to give you what you deserve. And in that time, we still have a good team that can win. So let's do our best to win now, get as much out of Vlasic as we can while he's still good. And then hopefully by the end of the contract, we can't be too upset about the fact that it doesn't look good because he's brought the team a Stanley Cup. I think that was the goal. That's what they were hoping for. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out that way. We've gotten to this point where the Sharks were not able to win a cup. They weren't able to take advantage of Mark Edward Vlasic's final good years. Does he still have gas left in the tank to maybe be a depth defenseman and help a better team? I don't know. I hope so, because his contract is basically untradeable. He does have the worst contract in the league. His cap hit is $7 million this year. He's got the no-movement clause. So right now, we'll see what David Quinn decides to do with him moving forward. Um, They dressed seven defensemen the other night against Nashville, which made it easier to bench a guy like Mark Edward Vlasic, because then you're not putting your defense in a bind where you have guys taking on more minutes and wearing themselves out even further. The good news is the Sharks obviously are not trying to be good this year. We all know that um, the season's not going to end well in terms of the standings. And Vlasic is the perfect guy to be the tank commander and hopefully bring home Macklin Celebrini. And hopefully we'll all be celebrating that. And if nothing else, that can be part of Vlasic's legacy. Um, we, I know we'll all remember him for all the good things that he did, and rightfully so, in his time with San Jose. But if his bad contract and his on-ice performance all result in San Jose landing Macklin Celebrini in the draft, then that would obviously be a huge win. And speaking of players trying to get back on track... Kevin LeBanc is back in the lineup and has been for the last couple of games for San Jose. And I think he's actually looked really, really good. He actually leads the Sharks in Corsi 4 percentage with 54.39%. And I think the eye test backs it up. He's done a really good job wreaking havoc in the offensive zone. I've noticed him be really strong on the back check, turning the puck over and then turning that into a shot on goal. So he's been really, really good and it's bearing out in the numbers. Still haven't seen him put up big points yet um, in terms of goals and assists, but the possession numbers are looking really good. And I've been one of the bigger critics of LeBanc, but I think he's played really, really well. And what I'm hoping to see is I want David Quinn to put him in basically every position to possibly succeed. I don't like Kevin LeBanc's contract. I think they overpaid for him. And I think the Sharks really miscast Kevin LeBanc in the years when he was getting more playing time and being more productive for the team. I think they saw him as a top six guy, a guy that they can put on the power play. And I don't think he was ever really that. I think he's a guy who can actually be a good, serviceable third line guy, can play up and down the lineup. You can put him on the power play in a pinch if you need to. But I don't think he's really a guy that's going to drive the offense in a big way. But the way that the Sharks were deploying him in the past, 
they were playing him more like a guy that they expected to get a lot of offense from. And even though he's got some passing abilities and he's got a really good shot that I think throughout his tenure in San Jose, he's been a little too reluctant to use. I think he's still a guy who's better suited to be a third line guy and a guy that can give you some offense, but not really a top six guy that you want to lean on if you really need a goal. But he's back in the lineup. He's playing really well. And here's what I would do if I was in charge. I would have LeBanc playing on the top line. I would have him on the top power play unit and give him the majority of those minutes. I would do everything I can to pump up his value here in the last year of his contract so that the Sharks can trade him at the deadline to a contender and hopefully get the best value out of him in return. And also, good for Kevin LeBanc for having a good attitude about that whole uh, you're on waivers, oh, just kidding, no, you're not situation. For those who didn't see it, it was reported that Kevin LeBanc had been put on waivers by the Sharks, and then the Sharks came out uh, a few minutes after that report was tweeted and said, never mind, we don't know what you're talking about, this never happened. He is playing his first game tonight, and that was the Thursday night game against Boston. And what has Kevin LeBanc done in that time? Again, he's one of the Sharks' top possession players right now, and he's looked really, really good in the two games that he's played. I'm not sure if I would have had as good of a response or attitude if I saw a report saying that my employer had laid me off and then had them come out a few minutes later and said, oh, never mind. No, Nick still works for us. It's all good. And in fact, we're giving him more work today. I don't think I would have shown up to the office in that situation and had as good of an attitude as Kevin LeBanc. So kudos to him for his professionalism and for playing so well these last couple of games. So that is it for this one. Let me know your thoughts about anything that we talked about today. How do you think the Sharks should deploy Kevin LeBanc the rest of the way? Tell me what you think about their penalty kill. Do you think they should change their structure or the formation? And what are your thoughts about Mark Edward Vlasic? Was Doug Wilson right or wrong to give him that contract? And what do you think is going to happen with him moving forward? Do we see him benched? Do we see him bought out? I would love to know what you think. Let me know on Twitter at NickBerger underscore or at AllSharksNoBite. And if you like this episode, uh, please leave it a five-star rating and review. It'll really help boost the show up and get it in front of more eyeballs. And if you ever have any questions or if there's anything that you want me to talk about on future episodes... Let me know on Twitter, um, again, at NickBerger underscore or at All Sharks No Bite. But that is it for this one. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon. Go Sharks.